This is Bless You Boys Podcast 81, recorded Monday, July 29th, 2013. Can Brendan Inge play shortstop? Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Bless You Boys podcast. We're the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com, Detroit Tigers blog for SB Nation. Kicks around the past week, or in this case, two weeks, of Detroit Tigers baseball. I'm your host, uh, also blogger, wrangler, uh, and co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. I'm Al Beat. You know me as Big Al around the site. Well, we don't have Allison with us this week due to, um, well, a horse riding incident. And the incident being, I think, her rear end's too sore. So, but unfortunately, she can't be with us. But we do have a very, uh, well, a person you guys haven't heard in quite some time. He is um, quite opinionated, quite funny. He's a columnist for the Detroit News, and he also is an editor, well, co- my co-managing editor as well, I bless you boys, and that would be Mr. Kurt Menching, who is uh, oftentimes busy running SB Nation instead of being on the podcast, but we managed to get together, Kurt, and get you back on the show. Yeah, well, you know, unlike Allison, I enjoy being everyone's el- everyone else's pain in the butt. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, and um, let's see, well, I'm trying to go figure out where to go. Usually this is where I say, hey, Allison, what's up? But Allison isn't here. We don't have any other guests. It's just Kurt and myself this week. So let's go a little bit about the podcast, and then we'll get right to baseball. So uh, if you want to contact us, please email us at bybtigers at gmail.com. You can also try bybpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at Bless You Boys is the main account, and we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash byb.tigers. With that, let's start talking uh, baseball. Kurt, uh, we have to start with the biogenesis crap because that really seems to be the overarching well, subject matter that seems to have the entire media and blogging world wrapped up. Uh, since we last talked, Ryan Braun, well, he copped the plea negotiating a season-ending 65-game suspension for, quote-unquote, violations of the CBA and the drug agreement. Now there are reports out of the New York Post that claim Major League Baseball will be lowering the suspension boom on more players tied to Biogenesis, uh, well, the scandal, if you want to call it that, one of those obviously being uh, Tigers shortstop Johnny Peralta, which is why uh, we as Tigers bloggers have a much more vested interest in this subject than some others. Right now it looks like Alex Rodriguez is the... He's at the top of the list. Any suspensions involving A-Rod would probably start at a year and a half, all of this year and then all of next year, which in a lot of ways might be a season-ending, well, not even season I should say career-ending suspension for Rodriguez, being he is 38 years old. But he would still be able to collect about $60 bucks. <laughs> That's what the Yankees still own, which is amazingly enough. As for people like Peralta, Nelson Cruz, uh, they're talking 50 games. Reportedly, those suspensions would come down this week, so those, a suspension, if it's not appealed, could be served, and they would still be eligible to play in the postseason. Kurt, I know you went off on Bud Selig and Major League Baseball on the blog, because I think most of us at Bless You Boys are pretty much on the same page as this, that we think this whole witch hunt for biogenesis is pretty much bullshit. I can understand you know, people think call, yelling about cheating. All it comes down to, there's essentially... Convicting people 
without having enough evidence. And the, well, the evidence being uh, notes in a notebook from a very shady character. Yet they're still going to try and well lay the hammer down. So why don't you go a little bit further into your thoughts on this? Oh, okay. Well, first off, you, my, my big issue is this: is that they're not testing positive, <laughs> and, and and you don't have to test positive. The Joint Drug Agreement uh, says that possession is is fine. So the, the the MLB can hide behind that and say, well, you know, you don't have to test positive. You were in possession of them. You're guilty. Now you're making the circumstantial uh, circumstantial argument that, mm-hmm. but you know that based on what Tony Bosch is saying that they were in possession. So you've got you got this scummy guy who's who's a, who's a drug dealer at that who Major League Baseball was going to sue for more money than he'd see in his lifetime, and right. they were going to ruin the guy to you know kick him into the dirt and do everything they could to destroy him. In order to flip him. So now you, you got a guy who's being threatened by baseball, and he has to say what they want him to say. And this is the evidence they're going to use against 20-plus ball players. So I, I find I find it to be scummy, yeah. completely scummy that they would do that. You know what? If you test positive, I think you deserve a suspension. The rules are in place. But to, to be taking this scummy figure and then be threatening him, and then, then you, this is your only evidence against these players. And let's face it, this has to be the only evidence or they wouldn't be working so hard to turn him over like that. Uh, it, it's, it's completely and utterly despicable, and it makes Major League Baseball just as big of a pig in the sty as Bosch in biogenesis. If not worse, because uh, they are uh, using the entire, all the leverage they have legally. And I think what really gets me with this, Kurt, as you put it, you know, there's no dirty tests. This is like uh, finding a gun in your backyard and the police saying, well, you must have committed a murder. That's essentially what Major League Baseball is doing here. And what really bothers me about all this is really the sanctimonious bullshit we're getting from the media, especially a guy like Buster Olney, who has really been over the top, uh, ESPN's uh, lead baseball writer, who almost seems like he's taking this crap personally. Like he had a tweet today just throwing crap out there about uh, Bartolo Colon, who actually did test positive and served his suspension, and is back in the good graces of baseball, yet he is still throwing innuendo and crap at Cologne over uh, essentially saying, well, he was good in 98, he's good now, so PEDs. And that, I think, bothers me a lot what the media is doing, is that as soon as somebody comes out of nowhere or you know, someone has a career year, uh, like we heard with Chris Davis, all of a yeah. sudden you hear people saying, oh, he must be taking PEDs without any uh, evidence to back him up. Right, right, and I mean, we 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 saw that on Twitter, and I, you know, I got an email of that very point that Chris Davis can't be clean. He look, I mean, look look what he's done in the past year. He's never done that before. He can't be clean. I go, you know, that he hit that that runs last year. Right, I mean, that that's your evidence that you know, mm-hmm. it, it it it's just insane to me that a ball player can't have a couple of good months or he's dirty. You know, yeah. but. How many times has Jose Bautista pissed into a cup? He couldn't have been clean either to go from from nothing to home run king, right? But yet Jose Bautista is clean, you know. So yeah, there's dirty players out there that, that just because this, uh, you know, an A Rod or some or uh, or Brian Braun or whatever did something doesn't mean that anyone who increases their home run count or their strikeout count must be must be dirty. So I. I you know that I find that just to be awful. And if you're going to believe that every ball player who is suddenly doing better than his career average is dirty, you might as well go find another sport like football or something. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that sport's clean. 
uh, as is the NBA and, uh, and all Olympic sports and uh, uh, in soccer. So, well, soccer <laughs> probably is, no, but yeah. <laughs> regardless of that. But uh, and what, it, what kind of bugs me about this too, too Kurt, is uh, is the negotiations they had with Braun and Rodriguez, and that's what they're calling it, negotiation over a suspension. Now, if if they think he's guilty, suspend him. And then deal with uh, the appeals and the courts and things like that. This going back, well, we had, you know, this back and forth stuff really doesn't sound like they have enough on him to, I, I guess, especially, but they're negotiating for suspension. But if he's completely guilty, then why don't they just, you're suspended rather than this back and forth bullshit? Well, what I want to know is where are they getting this season and a half suspension from? Yeah. As far as I understand it, he should be suspendable for a hundred games. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand where they're getting a season and a half from. Yeah, right now, yeah, you're talking. This would be like a 210 game suspension or something like that. Right. You know, I, I could understand a hundred game suspension, but yeah. I mean, may, I, I don't know everything, and somebody might point out and point that out in the you know the podcast comments that I don't know anything, and I, I might agree with them. But mm-hmm. I, I, you know, from from what I understand, I just don't quite understand this year and a half thing. And I know, I know. There, there's more that's going on. They, they say, you know, A-Rod was trying to buy and destroy the evidence and this and that, but, you know. But well, that's a legal thing. That's not the CDA. Yeah, where, 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 you know, where, 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 where does that say, okay, you add an extra 50 games or whatever? Yeah, exactly. You know, how, how, how does, how, where inside the rules is agreed to by, by baseball and baseball players, where does, where does it allow for this, you know? Mm-hmm. If it's somewhere in there, great. I, I don't know. I just want to understand. But from my understanding, this, this just sounds insane. All right, let's move on to the, uh, since we, we both are pretty much, know where we stand on the biogenesis stuff, let's move on to Johnny Peralta. And uh, today, Chris, I, well, by the way, we're recording this uh, Monday night, uh, the 29th of July. Tigers are off uh, between series between the Phillies and the Nationals. Today, uh, Chris Ayat of MLive reported the Tigers are not actively seeking a shortstop in the trade market right now, even though we're two days away from the, from the uh from the dead, from the non-waiver deadline, I should say. And this is regardless of what happens with Peralta. If he gets suspended, not suspended, whatever, appeal, no appeal, whatever gets decided, the Tigers are actively not seeking a shortstop. According to Ayat, the Tigers also don't know whether Peralta would agree to serve the suspension right away or appeal it, which would push any punishment to 2014. And that's a big question because Peralta is going to be a free agent. He could, He's having a career year. Could have a big money contract coming up on his next deal. I don't think he's going to want to be punished, knowing that oh, someone's going to want to sign me, but they're going to have to wait me to sit, wait for me to sit 50 games before I can start playing. It would be in Peralta's best financial interest to go with the suspension right now, if if it comes down to it. It would be in the Tigers' best interest if he appealed it and maybe stretched this out till next year. So, I guess the question is, what do you think Peralta would do, and do you think the Tigers have any sort of plan to deal with this if the worst comes through? I, I'm certain that the Tigers must know more than we do, mm-hmm. you know. And, and as much as as much as the leaks have gone on to this and that and everything else, I just have to believe that the Tigers aren't going to be caught, you know, caught surprised by what happens. I, I think mm-hmm. they're. I think they would have to know. And it, it, you know, may, and maybe that's why they're not seeking a shortstop, or maybe they're just realistic and they just know that you can't really find a good shortstop to replace. I think that's roster. probably more so, what we're thinking. I think so that's could, my yeah. that, so it could be either way, yeah. but but I, I, you know, I, I don't think the Tigers are going to be caught surprised without a plan. You know, I, 
we're talking about it. They've been talking about it. So some, something's going to happen. You, you know, and you make some good points that Peralta, for his part, would probably rather serve a suspension this year than next year. It's probably going to cost him less this year than next year. Exactly. So, so you know, from his point, and, and if he could come back for the playoffs, I don't, you know, this, this isn't going to knock the Tigers out of the playoffs. They're, they're a very good team. The Indians aren't as real as they, they look at times. Nobody else is going to finish above 500. The Tigers have the playoffs wrapped up. And I understand, you know, you're almost afraid of jinxing things. The entire team could fall apart in, in August. But as far as we understand it, the Tigers should make the playoffs, and this shouldn't be a big deal, and they should be able to survive or throw out the suspension anyway. So uh, it would make some sense that he he would serve it. So I, I guess I could see that happening. You know, it's going to hurt. They they mm-hmm. don't have any good options in, inside the organization. Danny Worth is not good. Hernan Perez is he plays defense, but you can't really hit the ball. And, and then Ramon Santiago's numbers scare me to look at mm-hmm. right now. So they, it's going to hurt. But uh, you know, from my from my point of view, the best bet would probably be to serve it and come back for the playoffs. I, I agree with you that it would likely be some sort of mix and match with internal candidates, such as you mentioned. And it it really does make sense for Peralta, like I said, financially and looking towards next year that he he does it now if it comes down to it. And it's looking more and more like something's going to happen this week. And I agree with you that, yeah, the Tigers probably have some sort of plan, but Dave Dabrowski's the type he's not going to let play his cards on the table at all until they need to be laid out. And the Tigers aren't stupid. They have some sort of backup plan. And I'm of the point that you aren't going to find a good shortstop, you know, at the trade deadline unless you trade away essentially everything you have in the farm system, which the Tigers aren't willing to do. So uh, if it, the suspension does come down and Peralta decides not to appeal it, well, get ready for lots of Hernan Perez and Danny Wirtz and, well, uh, Ramon Santiago. And I, the, tig- the Tigers are good enough to get over that, especially now that Alex Avila is starting to hit. Well, and that his on-base percentage is in this past month is where he needs it to be. He's, he's on base at about 350 clip now. So all of a sudden, that's starting to eliminate one of those black holes in the lineup, and maybe they, the Tigers can get away with just carrying a glove man at shortstop. Right, right. It's, it's, it's been a lineup that, you know, it's pretty powerful. And obviously, we're going to have to be, you know, afraid, you know, uh, Torrey Hunter has been yeah. in and out of the lineup. Miguel Cabrera's mm-hmm. back, and abdomen, apparently, not hip, but abdomen, right. uh, have been... So, you know, so there there, there are worry points. I don't want to think that, you know, we have just this perfect, happy picture. But if everything is going as expected, yeah, you don't need all nine batting positions to be to be mm-hmm. perfect. And they, they can afford to have a, a, a glove guy at shortstop. And Hernan Perez is a glove guy who played shortstop in the minors. He's, he's at second base in places in Fonte. But so I, I think they could get by just fine. Yeah, I'm not worried. Yeah, get by. That's really all you need. 50 games or whatever it may be. And hopefully it doesn't come down to that. And maybe we don't have to worry about this till next year or the off season, whatever. But uh, I have a feeling in the next podcast we'll be talking about what happened in the Johnny Peralta situation. All right, this past weekend as well was the Hall of Fame uh, get together, the Hall of Fame ceremony, and with the BBWA throwing her hissy fit, which we talked about several times in this podcast in the past. And not voting any living players into the Hall of Fame, the estimates of the crowd that showed up in Cooperstown this weekend was 2,500 people when they normally get 25,000 to 30,000. It really seemed like, Kurt, most of the weekend was spent with quotes being 
sent out of Cooperstown with self-righteous media members and complaining about steroids, along with the old-time Hall of Famers pretty much uh, saying the same thing, you know, saying, oh, I'm glad you're keeping the steroid folks out, without any of them at all touching on baseball's passive racism, greenies, cocaine, gambling, drunk driving, wife beating, and oh, we want to go with Ty Cobb, murder. So, uh, again, it's just more disingenuous crap coming from the baseball writers. And, well, we're baseball writers, but of the BBWAA members, right. and along with the, the Hall of Famers. A friend of ours, Greg Eno, who I do another podcast with, he uh, dredged up a quote from Bob Gibson, who was very honest about it, one of the few Hall of Famers who was. And Gibson said, I'm glad I didn't have that option because Gibson says, I don't know if I would have turned steroids down. That's paraphrasing him. Because yeah. I, he, he actually said, I would have thought about using them if it meant I would have been a better pitcher. You ask most of those Hall of Famers, I bet you every one of them would say they would at least have had that same thought. So uh, I just find it very sanctimonious what's come out of uh, Cooperstown this past weekend, and the media really seems to be enabling it. Well, you know, I, I hope the Baseball Hall of Fame took notice of the fact that mm-hmm. their, their attendance was 10% of normal and and might take steps to uh, to assure that they don't have that happen again. Yeah. You know, uh, you have to remain legitimate legitimate in the fans' eyes, and that that's the balancing act that any any Hall of Famer is going to have. And the baseball writers, I think, in some ways, are following, uh, you know, a, a group of fans because I, you know, anytime we mention steroids, PEDs on 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 Lefty Boy, mm-hmm. there's a certain percentage of people who are in fact offended by it. Yes, you know? they are. That and and you know I took a little guff from for my uh, my my dislike of what Celia was doing because a lot of people say well you know I, I I'm glad I don't want to see PEDs in the game those those cheaters or they're influencing our kids wrong or blah 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 you know yeah. they they got their things and you know I don't mean to to weaken their arguments by saying blah 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 but they got their things and and people definitely out there. Are, are offended by the PED idea. On the other hand, I think a lot of people that I talk to uh, don't care. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I think that some baseball writers they're 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 talking to their specific audience, but some other baseball writers, such as myself, you know, I'm I'm talking to an audience too, and these audiences don't agree on things, so. There, there are issues at, at hand, and one thing I don't like too much is any sanctimonious anything, you know. Yeah. And I'm glad whenever Robo calls out Jeff Passan for his sanctimonious crap, and mm-hmm. if I wrote sanctimonious crap, Robo would call me out too, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I don't like too much sanctimonious. If you say, you know, what what they've done, it 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 makes it hard to judge how good they really were. I I can see your argument, but I I, I hate to say. Well, I am suspicious of Jeff Bagwell, so I can't vote for him. You know, I don't think your suspicion should keep someone out of the Hall of Fame. That is ridiculous to me. And and any baseball writers who act like that shouldn't even have a vote. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's not as if uh, there weren't – no, it's not like there was no one on the list worthy. There were players who were very worthy – Steroid suspicions or not, you know, go, you know, we could go back and forth on Alan Trammell over and over and over, who has a much better case than um, Jack Morris, for example. But Bagwell is a great is a great example of a guy who never tested positive, but he has this massive amount of suspicion just thrown at him 
because of the era he played in. And that's all that is with a guy like Bagwell is because he played in the 90s uh, had the, and had his best years in the 90s. So that must mean, oh, he's a steroid cheat where, again, there's there's nothing, there's no uh, positive tests. There's, he wasn't on the Mitchell report and things like that. And, and that's the kind of thing where I think the BBWA really screwed up. And essentially they screwed over Cooperstown in the process. Right, right. And, you know, uh, well, actually, I think we've covered it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, we, I, I think we could all talk until we're blue in the face about this, but, you know, I think we've covered it all. Yep, yeah, except that, uh, well, we got to talk about Rob Fick. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Fick is the argument that PEDs don't necessarily make you good. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. Rob Fick, uh, this past week, uh, admitted that he took steroids twice in his career, uh, including at least once when he played in Detroit. Uh, and he also claimed at the time that, that there was other t- players on the Tigers who took steroids. This is all on an appearance he made on Good Day L.A., a uh, television show out in, well, L.A. Uh, this past week. He Fick didn't name names other than himself, uh, and he claimed several of his teammates in Detroit used steroids. Fick said he only used them to help recover from injuries. That's where we start getting to that gray area with steroids, Kurt, and that, one, it's pretty obvious that steroids didn't make Fick an all-world ball player. You know, essentially what Fick said he did is that he helped take them. He took them to help him recover from, I believe in his case, it was a shoulder injury when he was with Detroit. And that's, for example, what Andy Pettit was ended up being busted for. You know, and he took his penance. You know, took you know, threw his threw himself on the mercy of the MLB court, and he was pretty much forgiven. So I think there's what Fick is talking about here is. I don't think you can say all steroids are bad because steroids do have a legitimate medical use. And if, if Fick is telling the truth, that's what he was using them for. He wasn't using the game a performance advantage. He was using them to help regain his strength, get back to playing baseball. And when your livelihood is, you know, is being healthy to play a game of baseball, well, I can understand why he'd want to take that shortcut. And when he says other Tigers took steroids, I, all I could really say was no shit. It was the 90s. I'm sure pretty much everybody on every damn team took steroids. So I wasn't really shocked at this, but I was glad to hear that, you know, the way Fick put it is that he used this in a way just to stay healthy, not to be a better player. Yeah, well, you, you know, not to not to change sports totally, but this, this reminds me of what went on in college football last week, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with the kid down in Georgia, mm-hmm. he hurt his shoulder in high school. He he went through, you know, he 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 went through with his doctor, and I think he had surgery on it. Mm-hmm. And his doctor prescribed something, and it, it turns out what his doctor had prescribed was one of the banned substances from the NCAA. So the yeah. kid failed his test, and then, you know, he didn't know why. And then they figured out, oh, you know, it's because of what my doctor had me take. The NCAA. The NCAA wouldn't let him play. Well, you know, he kept testing and and he kept failing it. Years later, like two, three years later, he's still failing the test. Finally, last week, he passed the test that the, the steroid had passed out of his system. But he wasn't allowed to play college football for three years because of, uh, you know, something yeah. his doctor prescribed to help his shoulder after after he had an injury. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it borders on the ridiculous when, yes. when you're getting to that point. You know, you're not... He, you know, he's not doing his bulking up and becoming a Superman who's 350 pounds and runs a 40 and 4 or 5 or whatever. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's doing it on, on doctor's recommendation to get back to having a healthy shoulder. And he can't play for three years. I mean, you know, so it, it's not just baseball. You know, NCAA, I understand you don't want kids taking drugs, but mm-hmm. let's, let's be realistic here, you know, and that, that's what, that, that's where we, we're losing out and the, the conversation, 
has just become so anti-drug and and you know you can go on and become political and say it's not it's not just at sports either there's, mm-hmm. there's you know the administration and where where as a country there's a lot of pro-drug people but we we seem to be harsher on drugs and drug crimes than than we should be in my opinion and and that that's transferring over to the sports world where these little things that seem like they should be petty suddenly become like the biggest controversies in the world and i I personally, I find it to be ridiculous. Yeah, we went going on the war on drugs. I think that would be uh, our podcast would take about three hours, and we don't want to subject anybody to that. But yeah, I'm in total agreement with that. Don't even get me going on the double standards we have in this country when it comes to uh, medicine in general and drugs. And and I I can do I brought to this firsthand considering I have to take uh, opiates every day for me to function uh, because of my severe arthritis. I you know. Uh, so, and I've taken steroidal type medication for medical reasons for uh, for a Crohn's disease that I have. So, I, I'm just I'm pretty much up to here with media members who pretty much blanket everybody uh, over the steroid over steroids and PEDs and whatever. When there are so many layers of this and, and shades of gray, there's no real black and white here. Yet, unfortunately, the narrative, as the, the word we always like to throw out there with the media, is that no, you either you're either clean or you're dirty, and there's no in between, and there's no reason to take the stuff unless you want to cheat. When there's, as we just discussed, there are legitimate medical reasons to take steroidal medications. And we should let the doctors be doctors. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so let's move on to actual baseball stuff, shall we? Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Yeah, about a half hour of, uh, of huh. ranting on steroids and everything else, but. Let's move on to well, there was a uh, a trade, an actual trade, you know, I, the actual I player movement. That. Yeah. <laughs> when, when did this happen? Well, well, uh, okay. Hey, don't, hey, don't, don't play dumb. You know, we saw what uh, our friend Rogo uh, said out on Twitter saying uh, uh, <laughs> jokingly about about how many articles we had on Jose Veras today. So it's going to be a be- very beautiful diamond collar that Donner gets. <laughs> I'll, I'll post pictures. <laughs> yes, all the page views, as they say. But, but yeah, uh, we we put up all those articles about Veras because people read them and people want to read them. And specifically, Jose Veras picked up by the Tigers in a trade with the Astros. Well, the Tigers gave up a 19-year-old minor league outfielder, uh, Danry uh, Vasquez, and a player to be named later for 32-year-old Astros closer Jose Veras. Veras is joining the seventh organization, is having a career year, uh, 19 saves as the Astros closer, a 2.93 ERA, his FIP is uh, 3.39. This guy's having a great year. He's really kind of figured things out. And if you look at his numbers, he's gotten pretty much better almost every year of his career. He's he's gotten to be a, a very, very good um, – he was first a setup man, now closer, who has a very affordable contract as well. He's uh, making $1.8 million this year. Tigers will be obviously on the hook for about half of that. And he's on a team option for 2014 of $3.25 million. Again, very reasonable for a player of his talents. Obviously, Kurt, our, our friends at, uh, at Tigers Prospect Report, the, uh, the minor league hub of uh, Bless You Boys, are upset over losing uh, Vasquez, who, at least in their minds, has uh, a major league ceiling. He, he's, uh, even though he's not hitting for much power at West Michigan right now, they think this is a kid who could develop into, uh, well, obviously a Garcia-type ceiling player. You know, people think he may be 280, 20 home run kind of guy. But in the big scheme of things, I, you know, giving up a 19-year-old and probably someone the Tigers have just drafted or going to be drafting 
really doesn't seem to be a heck of a lot to give up for a for a legit closer, a guy who has you know is closed for the Astros and upset. But I really find very little downside to this deal at all. Right, right. Uh, you know, I, at first I thought maybe the price was a little higher than what they should have paid, and mm-hmm. you know, and that's not that I'm in love with fast cancer or anything. I just, you know, I just wondered if they could have got them a little bit cheaper, but uh, it's it's just quibbling there. It's not, it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. It's not, you know, I'm not going to write it off with three articles about how awful this is. Cause it's, it's not. It's, it's it's a fine deal, and and to have a guy that comes at an affordable price and, and could be helpful to the team next year. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you're looking for. So I think I think it was a good deal all around, and maybe he turns out and Houston is happy about the deal, you know, Vasquez. But maybe, maybe he doesn't because you know he's a 19 year old and, and he could go either way, and more prospects don't turn out than 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 do. So you know, it takes sense from Houston. You get rid of you get rid of a guy who wasn't going to put you into the playoffs or anything, and, mm-hmm. and you, you get a guy who might help you a couple of years down the line, and it makes sense for the Tigers because you know. Get a guy who might not turn out at all, a minor leaguer, and 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 you trade him for a for a pitcher who is proven at the major league level. He can get batters out, and and you can put him late in your late in late innings and, and get something out of it. So I, I think it was a good deal all around. Yeah, and the best way to put it, I think, would be very few make it. Period. When it comes to prospects, and this is exactly what you're supposed to do with your minor league system. If you have a, a guy who another team sees value in. Well, then you flip them into someone that you can use right now, especially when you're in a Tiger situation. So, I have no issue at all of giving up on Vasquez. It's, uh, you know, if it, and again, the odds of people always throw it out there to John Smoltz trade, to John Smoltz trade. The odds of this becoming a John Smoltz trade are more minuscule than uh, Kurt not saying some, uh, not coming up with something odd at the end of this podcast. So. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to make a joke about me being short. So thank no. you. No, <laughs> well I'll save that for later. But okay. uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm not even worried at all about uh, what the Tigers gave up. You know, when you talk about a low A player, that's not to to put Vasquez down, but those kind of players are for the most part dime a dozen. So especially corner outfielders, that, you know, which is what Vasquez has been playing. Mm-hmm. So. But uh, when it comes to Varus, Kurt, where do you think he's going to be used? Uh, the wording the Tigers used when they uh, announced the deal is that Varus is going to complement Joaquin Benoit and Drew Smiley, which I take it everybody's inferring that he's going to be a setup man. Do you think that's where uh, he's a, where he's going to be, a seventh eighth inning guy? I, I infer that he will be, a, you know, a setup man and. We'll get some save opportunities because you know Benoit is. They always try and speak, you know, take care of his durability, and he's not going to be able to pitch, you know, two or three nights in a row. So I, I think I think Ferris is going to just slot in there, eighth inning, some ninth inning work, and that it's going to be, you know, the, the, the three of them are going to make up most of the eighth and ninth innings for the Tigers. That's the way I see it. Yeah, it's. Uh... Uh, you know, I guess the one downside is we may not have more rants from Jim Leyland, uh saying guys in the bullpen need to step up because I don't want to overuse uh, Benoit as well as we saw when he was using Benoit with five and six run leads in the White Sox series. But uh, so if that helps prevent that. Well, more power to him. Uh, who do you think is going to be the odd man out in the bullpen? Is it going to be uh, uh, Reed, Putconan, Phil Coke, or or could we see another move be made here? I think I think Albuquerque is the one. And really? It might, and it might be Rondon, but I think Albuquerque, he is just giving up runs. Seemingly every time he goes out there, he's giving up a run or two. And Rondon, mm-hmm. to be fair, is is not 
taking care of business all that well either. Yeah. It, so it could be either of those guys. I don't know which it's going to be. It, it should. The, the Tigers need to upgrade both, and I think it's going to eventually happen. But I, I, you know, to start, maybe it might be Albuquerque because he's been giving up. You know, I think I looked it up, and it was he gave up two runs or more in like four out of his past seven games. And you just can't have that. So I, I, that's that's my best bet. But I mean, I'm not I'm not going all in on that when it could be Rondon too. I agree for there that it would not break my heart at all to see. Uh, Al Albuquerque sent back to Toledo to, well, see if they could fix what ails him because uh, he's still the same guy, essentially, who got sent down in the first place. He still has trouble throwing strikes consistently. He allows too many base runners, pure and simple. So, yeah, I, yeah you're right. I just brought up his stats, and, well, they ain't, they, they ain't pretty. And, and it's sad, too, because mm-hmm. he, was, he was a good pitcher, and then, you know, he, first he had, had that head injury, and then he had the arm injury. And, I, and uh, you know, after the arm injury, he just mm-hmm. hasn't been able to come back the same since. Yeah, you know, and I looked at his uh, ERA. His ERA has doubled in this month, more than doubled, actually. Uh, he started the – he had uh, an ERA in the low twos at the start of this month. He's now in over five. So it's uh, – that shows just how bad uh, Albuquerque's been. So that's very – that's actually a good point. I, I, I was thinking more one of the guys at the back end of the pen, but – you need guys like uh, Pukonen and Reed who can just come in and you can waste them in, you know, in two and three inning stints and blow up. So it does make sense that Rondon or Albuquerque, I, I think Albuquerque uh, should be very worried about it. I think he just nailed it. So realistically, uh, I really don't see a heck of a lot of downsides to this deal, but uh, do you see any other deadline moves on tap, another bullpen arm? Uh, there's still talk that the Tigers need a, a bat off the bench. Or you think the Tigers are done for the time being, barring an injury or suspension? I think they're going to keep looking. You know, I think you know if you ask them for Alci, I think he he would say something like, "Well, you're always trying to make your ball club better." Mm-hmm. You know? And and I think I think there's there's truth to that, and that I think he, he probably is. But this was the you know the the big the the big you know deal that they had to get done. They 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 helped the back end of the bullpen, and they could feel. They can feel comfortable right now, but that doesn't mean they can't keep getting better. And I mm-hmm. think I think they're going to keep trying to get better. And if the right move, the right you know, the right deal is is able to be made, they'll make it. But I don't think they have to feel pressured to to get something else done by by the end of Wednesday. You know, I I I think that they can go into August and make their upgrades then. And you know, I wrote there in the Detroit News last week, and I, mm-hmm. I still think it. They could go into August and make some. Make the move then. They, they should feel like they're in a pretty comfortable place right now. People tend to forget that the Tigers picked up uh, Delman Young uh, in August, and that turned out to be a, a pretty darn good pickup, at least for for, for that. Uh, well, well, at least for the playoffs. Yeah, for that for that year anyway. But yeah, so just because it's the non-waiver deadline in a couple of days doesn't mean the Tigers can't make a significant move of some sort if the need arises or if the opportunity comes up for them to make a move in August. I mean, it could happen. I mean. Shoot, I remember a few years ago, was it, uh, uh, was it, I think it was 2000, was it 2006 when they picked up Matt Stairs in the last couple of weeks of the season, and he actually gave them some very good at-bats. So, you know, things can happen all the way up to almost the end of the year when it comes to making changes to the roster. So, but yeah, I, I tend to fall into the thing, Kurt, that I think this team is, uh, they're pretty happy with how the roster stands. Would they like to have another bat? Yeah, I'm sure they think they would to. They would love to have maybe another bat. But I really don't see them going out of their way to empty the farm system or to make a risky trade or to give up major league ready talent for a, a guy who's essentially going to be the 23rd or 24th man in the roster. So 
when we're talking about, well, they need to upgrade Don Kelly's position, I think this is a team that is in pretty darn good shape to trade it. Right, right. And, you know, it, you can you can quibble about left field, you know, and mm-hmm. and should Tui ask the Sopel play more or should they upgrade on Dirks or this or that. But even then, you know, left field, I, I looked it up like yesterday, and they were ready to Major League Baseball, as far as far as batting goes, so it's it, you know, if, if you're average or even even a slight bit below average at a position, you know, you're doing pretty good. So it's just not anything I think they need to worry. Yeah, it's always mm-hmm. it, everyone wants to do something about Don Kelly, but you yeah. know, look at the numbers. Don Kelly has been doing a good job. As I pointed out in uh, the uh, Sunday's recap, he has a higher OPS than uh, Josh Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, you know what? So what? What's wrong with the? You know, are they looking at the Don Kelly of the past? I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're looking at the Don Kelly who's going to hit 300 for the rest of his career or something. But I don't. I think people trying to replace him are, are you know, reading too much Robo or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're colored by the anger of Rogo, who uh, gets a little irrational when it comes to Don Kelly, but. At this point, the Tigers are just, would just be pretty much doing tweaking. Uh, there's not a lot they can do with this roster that wouldn't involve, like you said, it's the only place where I could see them making a move would be left field, but Tuiasasopo has given them awesome production you know, and limited at-bats. I think they're using him perfectly. And if Andy Durst can step up even a little bit, well, that's pretty much solves all the problems out there. And, of course, there's all, still always uh, Nick Castellanos, and for that matter, Abasio Garcia, who, and Garcia has absolutely gone nuts at Toledo since being sent down. He's actually raking down there. So I'm not too uptight about a bench bat and things like that. And that's the sort of thing that can be adjusted uh, by August 31st, as we saw last year when Avisail Garcia got the call to make sure he was going to be playoff eligible when he ended up being on the roster on the 31st of, of August last year. So, you know, this team is in fine shape. My God, they're 14 games over 500. They've won seven of eight. They're in first place by three games. And people are getting uptight over backup infielders and backup outfielders. So I think they're really, really you know, the status of the Tigers is good. Pure and simple. Yep, yep. They, uh, it's, it's, it's hard for us as Tigers fans collectively to, to, to get through this period because we're really used to, Finding a thousand things to worry about. Yes. It's, it's very hard this year to find anything to worry about. Well, there is a little. <laughs> oh, besides, besides, besides shortstop, you know. No, not even, not even Matt. How about uh, Justin Verlander and Prince Fielder? Well, Prince is... A little bit is the word. Well, let's, well, let's go into that in depth a little okay. bit about that. Uh, because well, it kind of goes into the, the long contract trap that's being thrown out there. Specifically because of what's happened to Albert Pujols whose numbers have been trading downward the last few years and was given a monstrous deal by the Angels. Well, he's, she's just been declared over with a plantar fascia tear in his uh, left foot. And now that's the latest long-term deal, which is being called out as a massive bust by the usual sabermetric suspects. And those same suspects are now calling out the Verlander contract and the Fielder contract as contracts that are horrible. Even though their well, Fielders is less than two years into it, and Verlander's isn't even a year. Well, he hasn't even started that contract yet. Yeah, Verlander is still up and down. His ERA is at 3.99, but Verlander seems to be convinced that it's a mechanical issue with him. And I think we've seen that when when his mechanics are on, he's the Verlander of old. 
Uh, and there's actually there's some very good blog posts on, you know, come up online of people investigating this, and they're all in agreement. Uh, a, a Rob, for example, at Bless You Boys, that's all about his mechanics. If he gets the mechanics straight out, there's no worries there. Fielder is, is having an off season. He's hitting far below his career numbers. His uh, career OPS is 918. He's at 794 this season. That's just bad period for for a space, and let alone a guy who's getting um, essentially $20 million a year. But uh, is it too early to panic? I wouldn't even say panic. It's too early to start, start calling out Verlander and Fielder as busts because we already are seeing it in the Bless You Boys common threats. Well, you know, especially Verlander, I – I, I think someone would should any of them should should start to look at some of their favorite Hall of Fame pitchers from the past and yeah. and they might notice you know oh look Roger Clemens had a bad season or two Pedro Martinez had a bad season or two Kurt Schilling had a bad season or two. it happens you know and, and if they they would probably be amazed by what they saw in, in Clemens you know he had a, he had a great year then he had an average year and Verlander's obviously. He's having an average year, and, and it's going to happen. But one, I'm not worried about his health. I mean, if the guy's he hit 99.6, you know, miles an hour because uh, I looked it up yeah. uh, during his last start, 99.6 miles an hour. So I don't think I'm going to worry about dead arm or this or that. You know, he's obviously able to get the dial back and get the velocity when he wants it. So I'm I'm not too worried about that. But it seems like a mechanical issue, and mm-hmm. and and it seems like hopefully. He can get it fixed sooner than later. You you know you wonder how long it would take a guy like Verlander to fix it, and it's taking longer than fans hope. But uh, you don't you don't worry unless two years from now Verlander still has an ERA around four, then you then you you know you grab your ankles and cry or something. But. <laughs> I just brought it up. Uh, what uh, Justin Verlander's uh, what I believe thirty years old. Uh, Roger Clemens thirty year old year eleven fourteen four four six ERA. 191 innings, and in the previous year, he led the league in ERA at 2.41. The next year, his ERA was 2.85. So you're right. You know, these guys aren't machines. They aren't robots as much as we'd like to think they are. And and I'm not worried at all about Verlander. I mean, I've I've seen enough flashes of him to where uh, you know even in the season where he looks like the guy of old. And it's, uh, again, it's just a mechanical issue with him. And same with Fielder. You know, French Fielder, since he's gotten this huge contract, people feel that no matter what, he can't slump. You know, this pure and simple, he can't slump. He has to produce almost like Cabrera to make that contract uh, valid in their eyes. That's impossible. No one's going to live up to that kind of deal and that kind of pressure. I really have the uh, the utmost confidence in Prince Fielder, who had a damn near career year last year, 300 uh, over 300 batting average, over 400 on base percentage, over 500 slugging, which is very, very rare. I have a feeling he's going to come around. I'm not worried at all about these guys. Again, as you put it, if if we're still talking about Fielder with an under 800 OPS and uh, Verlander with an ERA hovering around four a year from now or a year and a half from now. Then yeah, then maybe we can start talking about oh my god, the Tigers are in deep shit five years from now because of those contracts. But you know, let's let this year play out before we start writing people off. And I think that's what really gets me, Kurt. Is uh, people tend to look at ball players. You know, uh, we've used the football analogy sometimes, but often like the stock market where it's all short term. There's no building long term. You know, it's all what have you done for me this month rather than what have you done for me over the last five years and what are you going to do for me over the next five years. And I really get the feeling that fans are just so, so get so wrapped up over the here and now that uh, they can't see the forest for the trees. 
you know, I think everyone should be required to be a blogger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I don't, we're not concerned because we we've been writing about these guys for years, and you see you you see the ups and you see the downs, and yeah. and, and 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 if you had been you know somebody who freaked out over one of the down moments, you you would look like an idiot, you know, a year later. Mm-hmm. So you know you you might do that once or twice in your blogging career, but sooner or later you start to realize, oh, this stuff happens. It's natural. You can't predict it, and things are probably going to change. So you know that is. That's just why I think I, I can sit here and go, well, you know, I'm not concerned right now. Come get back to me later because I, I don't want to be concerned right now because I hate to look like an idiot a year from now when yep. people bounce back. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and watch and see how it plays out. It, it, it's way too short of a term to to start to turn you know three months or two months in, into into a career. So it, it's just that well we'll find out. Yeah. Hey, they they might be right. I, I don't think they're going to be, but they might be right. But we'll we'll see. We can't we can't decide right now. And when we're talking careers, a year is a small sample size. It really is. Yeah, and 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 even you know, and right now we're only what four months into the season. It's yeah. April, May, June, July, four months. You know, so yeah, players have had a good four months before mm. it's happened. So you know, or a bad four months, or or maybe just one bad month can turn the other three months and make them look bad. So yeah, it's, yeah so I'm. Just not, I'm not prepared to be excitable. Yeah, just just remember, people. Brennan Bosch, when he came up, hit like Yasiel um, Puig. So keep that in mind. And everyone loved Quentin Berry, and I kept yep. getting tweets and emails. Why don't the Tigers play Berry more? Why don't this? Well, how come how come Berry didn't make the team? But why aren't they calling up? Barry? You know, well, you know, he was good for a couple of weeks, and that's it. So it's it's a long term game, and you know. It's, it's, it's a long time. That's what baseball is. Indeed. Speaking of a well, long time, uh, well, there's been some long-time Tigers who have left the team and uh, actually have come back hurt. And I, I guess you could call the Toledo Mudhens an old folks' home for former Tigers in that both Jeremy Bonderman and Jair Jurgens, who started a career with the Tigers, had their careers derailed by injuries with other teams. Well, actually, Bonderman's with the Tigers and Jurgens, since he's left the Tigers, their careers have been derailed by injury. Well, uh, Bondo was recently released by Seattle. Jurgens by Baltimore. Both have resigned with the Tigers on minor league deals, joining Jose Valverde in Toledo. So it's really interesting to see Bonderman's in the bullpen with uh, Jose Valverde, and Jurgens is going to be in the mudhead rotation. And I guess with these kind of signings, Kurt, is that we have to kind of temper people's enthusiasm, uh, letting them know, you know there is a reason these guys were made available. There's a reason why they agreed to minor league deals, and we can't let past performance and sentimentality get involved in this. I mean, I would love to see Jeremy, Jeremy Bonderman prove to be a, a nice bullpen piece down the line, or I'd love to see Jair Jordan's remember how to pitch. But they aren't the same players they were five years ago, unfortunately. And if, they, if the Tigers get something out of them, great. But more more than likely, Bonderman and Jurgens are – well, um, you know, the, you have to fill the AAA roster with somebody. Why not them? Right. You know, I, and I, I know Tony Paul, in the, my Detroit News colleague, mm-hmm. it, it got people excited because he went down and watched in Toledo and Barnum and had a great game, it sounds like. And, you know, he, he's excited. And But it, it's important to remember Barnum played in a pitcher's park with yeah. a very good defense behind him in Seattle, and he still was giving up like an ERA of well, like five. I know he had a great game or two. We had, you know, when they dropped him, I think Zero was on five. So he, mm-hmm. he he had issues too. And I I don't think 
we should expect very much out of him. I, I, I do think there's a decent chance he gets to the majors. You know, look, 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 look at the mop-up guys now. You know, well, I, I think Bondurant has a good chance of being a mop-up guy for the Tigers, but I wouldn't expect to see him in a more important role. Maybe it happens. You know, again, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to wait and see. It might happen, but uh, I put the, the odds pretty low right now of him being a, an important part in the, the Tigers puzzle. But I don't, you know, he could still be a piece. If it happens, great. If not, well, you can always head to Toledo and watch him play and maybe relive some memories. So, you know, and with pitchers, it's just, you know, it's just how it is. Jurgens had some very good years with the uh, Braves, and he got hurt. And he has just never been the same pitcher since he got hurt. And the same with Bonderman ever since he had that uh, that sh- the uh, the blood clot shoulder rib issue that, that caused them to miss, well, essentially end his Tigers career. So, Nothing to get too excited about if they make it, or if, you know, God forbid, Jose Valverde, you know, great. That means they really well. But the odds of that happening are are well as short as Kurt. So <laughs> I, I told you I was, I'd get that. You held that. You had you were thinking that one. <laughs> All right. So I think we pretty much got it covered. We talked about uh, Veras and where he fits. Uh, that we really any deadline moves, uh, uh, the odds are against them, and uh, well. We talked about Verlander Fielder struggling. Well, despite all this crap, Kurt, you know, despite all the bad news about Biogenesis and the possibility of Peralta being involved and the Tigers playing some really bad baseball at times and Justin Verlander being up and down and Miguel Cabrera being injured and, and Fonte still hasn't come back. Uh, Torrey Hunter had tight shoes. Uh, Octavio Dotel has missed the entire year. Uh, Darren Downs, very usable pitcher, is still hurt as well. Yet, despite all of this crap, the Tigers have won seven and eight. They are season high fourteen games over five hundred. They have a three game lead over the Indians, and everything's looking pretty darn great because they just got a piece of the puzzle that they really needed—an extra bullpen arm, a guy who can pitch the seventh and eighth inning. So, for, for all the gloom and doom that we've seen thrown out there from certain members of the media, even us at times, the Tigers are in fine and dandy shape. And this is the team that, sh- if, if the, even if you do see guys like um, some of the sabermetric types, that was at the, at the Sweet Spot ESPN blog who wrote the other day that the Tigers aren't going to run away with the Central. I don't care if they run away with the Central or not. As long as they win the Central, that's all that matters. And right now the Tigers are in fine and dandy shape to do just that. Well, you know, Tigers fans enjoy getting offended, so that probably gets a lot of Patriots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that and Donnie Kelly just gets them up in arms. <laughs> hey, but, Brandon Inge might be available. Oh God, they were talking about. They, I, Did he play shortstop? Oh geez, yes. <laughs> I think they were just, uh, for, for the few minutes I heard sports talk radio here in Detroit, they they brought that up about bringing back Brandon Inge. I'm like, oh my God, because that just brings out all the uh, the yahoos who say, well, let's trade Verlander. Or I heard one great trade. Uh, someone said trade Verlander and Peralta for Troy Tulowitzki. Yeah. <laughs> if Colorado's even going to do that, but that's, well, sports talk radio, enough said. But uh, the Tigers don't need to do that kind of thing. This team is in good shape. And once, you know, this is a team built for the playoffs with this rotation. I mean, and and that's something that I think people tend to forget, Kurt. Rick Marcello's pitched pretty darn well this year if you take the Angels out of the situation. He's going to be in the bullpen in the playoffs, which makes it that much better. It's a very, very, very dangerous team in the playoffs. Exactly. When Justin Verlander may not even be your 
top starter in the playoffs when you got guys like uh, as well as Scherzer and uh, Sanchez have been pitching. My God, uh, no one's going to want to play the ter- Tigers in the playoffs. No one. This is the best team, you know. This is the best Tigers team since '84. Yeah. You know, so. And and actually, in some ways, it's uh, they and they have. If you look at the rosters, you know, maybe it was 84, maybe a little deeper, but 84, I mean, this this roster is more top-heavy in that Miguel Cabrera, you know, if you look at their overall careers anyway, Miguel Cabrera, Justin Verlander, and Prince Fielder, pretty much better than anybody on that roster, unless, you know, maybe other than Alan Trammell and Whitaker, but, again, different positions. But for the most part, uh, I like this this team right now, the way it's set up and ready to go. This is a team that should go all the way. If not, well, well, I think for the most part, we've all predicted this team is bound for the World Series. But this team is built for a short series in the playoffs. It's just a matter of getting there. And right now, they're in good shape to do that. Yeah, yeah I mean, and we've always said, that, you know, it's a, it's a roll of the dice in a short series. Anything can happen. And, you know, all of that is true. And yeah. this team could get derailed and get, you know, knocked out in the first round. It still is the best Tigers playoff hope since 1984. You know, exactly. it's better than last year. It's better than 2006. This is a very good. Uh, this is a very good team, and the team you you, you want to buy into more than anything. And that doesn't mean they're going to get it done, but yeah. it means yeah, yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna bet your money, this is the team you want to bet your money on. Yeah, and that's why Vegas feels the same way. The Tigers are the favorite of all the, all every major league team to take it all. So. And they're not dumb in Vegas. You know, obviously they set the odds to even out the, how the money's laid down, but they, they see a, a team in the Tigers that should make the World Series. All right, one more thing, uh, Kurt, before we wrap up the show. And I guess we do have to say something about Eat 'em Up Tigers guy, uh, a.k.a. Uh, James Van Horn. If, and if you've ever attended a game at Comerica Park, you've, you've probably run across uh, uh, James you know, because of his uh, infectious Eat 'em Up Tigers, Eat 'em Up. You know, along with uh, wearing his, uh, uh, was an incredible whole can with his yeah. change cup, his, his home, yeah, his whole little bit he was doing there, and he was he's kind of like a unofficial uh, mascot of the Tigers. Well, this past weekend, him and uh, another relatively familiar street person that you would see at Comerica Park, uh, known as Dreadlock Mike, were, were killed in a hit and run accident. The police have over the last day or so confirmed that yes, it was. Uh, uh, eat 'em up, Tigers guy and Dreadlock Mike, who were killed in a hit and run accident early Saturday morning, like three o'clock in the Eastern Market area. There, I'll put links into the show notes if you want to make any kind of donations. To uh, there has been a few uh, accounts set up. Uh, I know I think our, uh, one of the local T-shirt companies is set up uh, is going to donate all the funds from Eat 'em Up Tigers uh, T-shirts towards a funeral fund. I guess it just kind of throws, a, unfortunately, just punctures that baseball bubble that surrounds us sometimes in real life just gets thrown in your face in the most unpleasant way sometimes. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and people sometimes say, well, that puts sports into perspective. Sports always should be in perspective, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, it, you know, it's it's unfortunate when, when you know, when, when anyone were to, were to get hit and get, hit, get killed in a hit and run. But, you know, it's especially unfortunate when, when it, is in, in, and it seems to like it, you know, when that happens. So it, it's just sad all around. If you would like to donate to the the appropriate cause, please do. We'll give you the the avenue to do so. All right, Kurt, uh, let's uh, we'll wrap up the show. I think we've uh, pretty much run out of righteous indignation. So <laughs> I, I can always find righteous yeah. indignation. <laughs> this is usually where we had final thoughts. Is there anything you'd like to add? Anything you'd like to say? Anything I forgot to bring up? 
uh, now's the time to do it. So is there anything else on your mind? Well, you know, this week uh, in the Detroit News, I wrote about Mike Trout and, and Miguel Cabrera and the MVP race. And, you know, and, and not to, to expose how the sausage is made, but mm-hmm. I, I, I basically I chose that subject because I, I knew, you know, things happened fast around the deadline. And I just I didn't want to write something that was outdated before it even even hit the ink. So that's why that's why I went off in, on a tangent like that. But the reason I wrote is because you you notice that Mike Trout has passed uh, Miguel Cabrera in in WAR, you know, yep. at Fangraphs, wins above replacements, and and it, it seems like we're we're up for another year where where the argument is going to be, you know, that the Mike Trout fan base is going to say, well, he does so much more than, than Miguel Cabrera. Cabrera is a great hitter, but you know, Trout's a good fielder and he plays a difficult position and mm-hmm. he runs the bases better, blah blah blah, you know. And I and I just want to say, well, you know, here comes silly season again and. Well, the thing you get exposed to is you can't write about the topic at all without people on both sides getting pissed off because mm-hmm. Mike Trout fans very much think that Mike Trout is deserving and got screwed last year uh, because because people are, uh, you know, I, someone I believe wrote last year that baseball writers like shiny objects in the Triple Crown was mm-hmm. all they needed to see, you know. Right. And, and that, that kind of thing disappoints me because I, I think that, that was a historical occurrence and uh, I think... Cabrera had a good season. He's one of the best hitters that we'll see, you know, in in decades. And it's a, it's it's a, he's an exciting player. But then, you know, I write this and and I get people telling me, how can you even mention Mike Trout in the same in the same story as mm-hmm. Miguel Cabrera? Mike, you know, Cabrera is so much better than him. Mike Trout is he's only he didn't have a good April, and that's why his team's losing and blah blah blah. And people are just bashing Mike Trout. And, and what I what I constantly say is. Why do we have to tear the other guy down in order yeah. to build our argument? Mike Trout is, I would love to watch this guy play baseball on a regular basis. He's a good, you know, really, really good young player and he's going to be around for a while. He's going to be in the MVP discussion for a while. And, and Cabrera, like we've always said, is one of the best batters we'll see in, in, in this generation or any generation and he's exciting to watch. Anyone who's trying to tear down either player really, really needs to get their head checked. These, these are both excellent ball players and we're, we're we're really in a lucky period right now. It's not just as Tigers fans, as baseball fans. There's just so many exciting players that that we could be happy about. So I, I hope people can, you know, build up their argument without trying to make the other guys look bad. Because it, you know, I I really got pissed off last year because Tabor mm-hmm. writers, especially, just were acting like you know, oh Cabrera, he's not that good, you know, and and that just pissed me off because they didn't have to tear him down. He had he did a very great thing and a very interesting thing and and it made me mad. But I don't like to see people tear down Trout either. Trout's a great player, you know. And so someone wanted to know, well, how's he doing the, in the last three innings of the game? You know, mm-hmm. that's when that's where you get a superstar. And they go, well, I looked it up and he's batting 310, you know, with a, with like a 900 OPS. So I I think Trout's just fine there too. So support your guy. Try to have a good discussion about it. But let let. Let's build up both players because they're both excellent ball players. Again, everything's got to be black and white when there's all these shades of gray when it comes to baseball and ball players. And I think you nailed it in that point. Plus, if uh, if people are that uptight about war, just go to um, Baseball Reference and Cabrera's is actually a game better than Trout. Oh, there you <laughs> there. go. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All that I really wanted to add is uh, this coming weekend, uh, this uh, the third of August is the uh, Bless You Boys meetup. 
We'll all get together at, uh, I believe it's going to be a Hockey Town Cafe before the game, and then we'll all attend the game as a group. And I will be there this year. Again, I'll make it for the second year in a row. My tickets are bought because Allison will harass me for several months to make sure I paid her. So, <laughs> But I just want to say I'm looking forward to meeting all of you there. And uh, uh, as the only editor that actually lives in southeast Michigan, uh, well, I pretty much have to attend. So, But it's it's going to be a great time, and I'm looking forward to meeting all of you. I know I've met a lot of you at the, at the event last year. I'm hoping to see some new people there this year. And we'll have a full report on the activities, I'm sure, next week on uh, the podcast on the site, and you know, I'm sure Allison will have a few things to say about it as well. It's, this is still her baby. Hopefully, she'll be over her uh, the horse stuff. So, <laughs> but uh, if I'm going to see you at the uh, at the meetup, can't wait to catch up with you and have a beer. So, oh, and of course, I know Patrick's going to be there. Uh, Kath will be there. Allison, Craig will be there. Uh, the the internet mm-hmm. superstar from uh, from Hardball Talk. So, and see on TV. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. So. It'll be a lot of fun, and uh, on the next podcast, uh, we'll have a full report for you if you can't attend, like Kurt, who doesn't cross the bridge. So so I think that about covers it, Kurt. Uh, I, we've gone gone to the gamut. We've gone up, down, and around when it comes to steroids and the Tigers. So I think it's time to call it a night, don't you think? I am always happy to call it a night. I'm sure you are. So uh, where can they find you online, Mr. Minchin? They can find me, and I, and let me, let you know, I always say, oh, bless you, blah, blah, blah. Let me just go right off on time to say, read SB Nation. You know, mm-hmm. there's a good chance that I might be writing some stupid comment next to a GIF on SB Nation on, on Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And we, we, we've worked really hard to get, our, you know, to get our baseball coverage uh, machine really, really getting stronger over the past few months. So you... I want everyone out there to be reading SB Nation slash MLB because there, there's a lot of good stuff going on there. And, and, I, and sometimes I see commenters from Bless You Boys commenting on stories, and that, that makes me very happy because I don't even have to tweet the, tweet the things, and some Bless You Boys readers are going over there, and they're visiting, and they're, they're interacting. So that makes me happy, but there should be more of you. So I, I want everyone to visit SB Nation, and, and especially SB Nation slash MLB, and, and and check out because there's there's a lot of great work going on there. So that that's that that's my my bag of the day. But otherwise, you know, I tweak some Lefty Boys as much as as much as possible, not as much as I used to, but as much as possible. And I and uh, sometimes I I tweet from SB Nation MLB on Sundays, and then I get distracted by the newsroom and forget about it. But mm-hmm. you know, for an hour or two, you might find me saying something there. And Rob Rob Rojacki, yes, because he's just. He's the, he's the real star of that Twitter account. He's there on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Rob does a great job. So you should be following that Twitter. Again, I know a lot of you are. Uh, I see a lot of familiar faces and, and stuff when we're tweeting. So, uh, you know, we, we, we really thank you for, for the support you're giving us, you know, at the, at the SB Nation level. But there, there could be more of you. You know, if you like us what, at Bless You Boys, you'll like us elsewhere. So please, please come, you know, support what we're doing and, and see, you know, give it a shot. See, see what you think. I, I double what Kurt says. And please follow the uh, the SB Nation MLB account on Twitter. That's a lot of funny stuff going on there, especially when Rob's on there. He's a very entertaining tweeter. And for that matter, I follow Rob as well at uh, Detroit numeral for L-Y-F-E Rob, Detroit for Life Rob on Twitter, and uh, he's, a, he's well worth a follow. He tends to rant and rave, as you see from some of the tweets I happen to post in the uh, 
uh, recap sometimes. So and uh, office, uh, and those are the clean ones. I should <laughs> warn you. And, and what, what, as long as I'm begging people, the other thing you should check out because I know a lot of people read MLB Trade Rumors religiously. Really yes. MLB Trade Rumors is a great site. We agree. I've got the Detroit Tigers page a bit bookmarked because I need to check up on things all the time too. I, I think they need to be looking at uh, MLBDailyDish.com. Yeah. Nation version of MLB Trade Rumors. Uh, we, one of the most exciting things to me is we got this kid named Chris. He's like a 17-year-old kid who's got who's got Major League Baseball sources. This kid is breaking news. I mean, he's I, I'll admit I was a little suspicious too. And then he breaks like three stories, and, and you know you start getting John Heyman or or, or Ken Rosenthal giving a shout out to this kid broke a story. So we we at SB Nation we have guys breaking news about trades ahead of anyone else. So you want to check out MLB Daily Dish. And you'll get your you'll get your trade rumor scoop there. So it's it's a great website. People are going to appreciate it if they go there. I have to mention that you can follow Allison at No Run Support on Twitter, and I'm a Big Al B Y B on Twitter. But you can follow me on Twitter when I do get in the mood to tweet. Uh, well, uh, there'll be a, the occasional pithy comment you can see about sports. So uh, please follow me as well. So I think that about covers it. So let's wrap up the show. So until this time, hopefully next week, uh, it's nice to get back together. Kurt, we haven't had a chance to chat like this in quite some time. So we'll try to do this again early next week. This is Al Beaton saying good night and good luck, along with Mr. Kurt Manchin. Oh, crap. I didn't think anything. Well, Kurt will have something for you next week on the Bless You Boys podcast. You better have something next week. <laughs> <laughs> that might have actually been what I was thinking of saying. <laughs> I don't put thought into this. I don't put thought into half of what I say during the podcast. <laughs>